Anderson's up in the air. Is it going to be caught? It is. And safe pair of hands there from Aaron Burns. And a first ever WBBL wicket there for Emma Hughes. And geez, look at them celebrate. Times, but yeah. you never forget your first wicket. Webster's hold out. And Bryce Street's picked up a wicket. He's whacked it straight to Joe Burns at short mid wicket. And Webster is on his way for 39. Rinnekin gives that a bit more air. Street goes over the top and there's no one at long on. And that has gone the journey. Well, he's not creeping through the 90s now. He's galloping through them because he moves to 98 with a maximum. It is a very warm welcome to the Cricket Library Weekly. My name is Matt Ellis and joining me as always, Robbie McKinlay. Thanks so much for being with us. Our second week back of the weekly. Hey, Matty. Great to be back. Great to be back, listeners. Uh, thanks for that great response to the first episode. You can uh, certainly tell that um, we've all got the thirst for some cricket. We've really been enjoying the, um, the multi-format series. But, Matt, I must admit, I'm so excited. Uh, we, we're doing this Wednesday evening. Tomorrow, This time tomorrow, we'll be glued to our um, set because we've got the start of the um, Weber WBBL 07. The Weber WBBL 07. I'm, I'm very pumped for that. And I'm excited, Robbie. I don't know if I've told you this or not. I caught up with Emma Hughes from the Sydney Sixers on the weekend, and she's on the show tonight. Hence, Lovely. hence the little Emma Hughes clip at the start. And there's another player we might be talking about a bit <laughs> later on as well. He's not actually a guest on the show tonight, but a lot of talk on social media. Uh, the article published on Stump to Stump uh, yesterday, just around B.E. Street and his credentials. So um, I, I dare say you would have appreciated those little snippets in the intro there as well, wouldn't you, Robbie? Appreciated and certainly wasn't shocked. <laughs> because I'll, I'll be very honest here, Matt. You need a bit of recognition of this. You were the one that spotted Bryce Street a little while back. And you I know you love his patience at the crease and the way he builds an inning. And you know what? If he can keep tracking along like this, you just never know. That baggy green might not be too far away. But so, and congratulations to how well was the statistical guru from the Orange Library oh. um, with the stats he provided on Bright Street innings in grade cricket. Yes. Now, it's, and that was very well received. And it, it just, it really did. It, it showed what Bright Street is all about. But of course, he maintained that great form. But we'll get on to that a bit later with men's domestic cricket. This is not all about BE Street, even no. though. Matt, there's something about it that tells me that you wouldn't mind it. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll move on from Bryce Street for now because we've got we've got a lot to get through. Uh, we're going to talk the women's series. We'll hear from Emma Hughes. We'll preview the WBBL. Then we'll we'll get to men's domestic cricket and a little announcement too about a new segment uh, that is being floated uh, for future weeks that Matt Fiction is proposing. So uh, oh. we'll get to that, but. Let's let, <laughs> let's roll into some discussions now. Um, Australia v India, the series is over. A, a good result from an Australian standpoint, uh, winning those T20s. Admittedly, Robbie, I was nervous uh, this time last week or Thursday last week. That first yeah. T20 
we were on the ropes. We were when we like I think India were four for one thirty one early in the sixteenth over. So I guess you, you could take a guess at what the score was, but I think we were at least going to be chasing one hundred and seventy. Yeah. Um, but maybe that was the drum chase that the um, Australian women needed. Who knows? But what it did, it just showed India continued to take that momentum from the pink test match into the T20 format, which is a many, many applause to the Indian side having the capability and the skill set to be able to do that. So, But after that, Matty, I think you, the Australian girls settled in pretty well after that, and they played some good cricket. I always thought they just had their measure, had the Indians' measure from that point on. Yeah, there, there, there were some, certainly some highlights, though. The delivery that you described in our group oh. chat as, as the ball of the century. Talk us through that one. Shikha Pandey to Elisa Healy. Oh. Give, give, us, give us your recollections of, of oh. what was an incredible, uh, incredible execution. I guess when you talk ball of the century sort of stuff, Matt, you and I have never bowled it. Shane Warne may have when he knocked over Mike Gatting, his first ball in Ashes in England. R- but, Ryan Harris. Uh... Yes, Ryan Harris. But this delivery by Panday, Alyssa Healy had hit the first ball for four. Nice pull shot. Yeah. And then I, I just, and ex- I haven't seen a ball move in off the wicket like that. I think it was a combination of in swing, seam, perfect seam position. It had hit a certain part of the wicket, but it was just extravagant. I've never seen anything like it, Matt. And yeah. um, I, I'm, I'm, I, that's just, that is the best ball. That is the most unplayable ball I think I've seen in any form of cricket in my time on TV. Uh, I, yeah. I just can't think of one higher than that. That is just incredible. Uh, unplayable is the right word. I just don't know how you stop that from hitting the top of off stump. That was absolutely, absolutely incredible. And, uh, massive kudos uh, to Shika Pandey for her execution there. And Robbie, uh, speaking of bowlers, what w- what was your take on um, the bowling workloads? Did you have any 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 reflections, particularly? Oh, okay. Well, I guess the, the interesting one to mine was probably um, Elise Perry not bowling as much, particularly the back end of that competition. Did not bowl at all in the third and final game um, and I, I did hear some commentary around the round and the, they thought that you know it was probably to give someone else an opportunity but if that was the case I thought they might have made a team change to do that so I, I guess it does show the depth of, of the Australian side um, yeah, we, we, yeah we've got plenty of plenty of bowling channels there and look who knows we, sometimes uh, you, you might get told something or you know that um, it's this way but Perry could have had a little niggle. You know, they thought, hey, we've got WBBL coming up here. The series is wrapped up. Um, maybe here's an opportunity to use other options. So well, I didn't make too much of it, to be honest. Um, I, they play in a very strong team environment. That's what's made that Australian side so good. So, um, yeah, I think we'll see plenty of um, police Perry still with the ball, Matt. Well, it's interesting, Robbie, because I've just had some information come across my desk here at the Barabadine Library sent through from our highly popular statistician, Matt, down in Orange yeah. at the Orange Library. And, and he, he has said this, 
Before her hamstring injury at the World T20 World Cup, E.A. Perry had taken 114 wickets at an average of 19.24 with an economy rate of 5.86 runs per over. Yep. Okay. After her return from injury, she has played six games, bowling four overs out of a maximum possible of 24 for one wicket at an average of 28 and an economy of seven runs per over. She did not yeah, bowl in three of the six matches. So 50% of the matches since that World Cup injury, she hasn't actually bowled. And there could be various circumstances and, yeah. and, and situations there. Uh, he goes on in women's uh-huh. ODIs. Uh, <laughs> you wouldn't expect anything yeah. less, would you, from, from the Orange Library. Before <laughs> her hamstring injury, Perry took 152 wickets at an average of 24.29 with an economy of 4.33. Since then, she's only bowled 20 overs from a potential maximum of 60 for zero wickets at an economy rate of 6.7 runs per over. She has not taken an ODI wicket since the 9th of October, R.B. McKinlay. Wow. So... That snuck under my radar. That snuck under my radar as well. But thank you to Matt from the Orange Library. Just raising that question. Yeah. He, he, he is concerned that um, we may not be seeing as much of Elise Perry with the ball and, yeah. and we can sort of pencil her in for being a batter. Someone who is doing a good job in the middle order, though, Robbie... Talia McGrath. Uh, Maddie, you probably know through WBBL 06 um, how much of a fan I was of Talia McGrath. Um, she, I'm not surprised to see her come out and perform like she has because she showed so much uh, promise and glimpse of that during, as I said, last season. And what I like about her, Matt, she's got a great temperament um, and really sums up the situation well. And I think she bats with no fear, particularly the start of the inning. So I think she, if the ball's in her zone, she'll go at it. And I think, and that, that's what T20 cricket's all about. So absolutely delighted for her. She she helped Australia out of some pretty tight situation. I think it was game number two, wasn't it? Yeah. When they were, uh, her batting and Georgia Wareham was fantastic. So it just shows the amount of depth that's floating around there, um, Maddie. In, in this in, with that Australian women's team, it, it's just fantastic. It, yeah, look, and this series was without Megan Shoot and yep. Jess Johnson. So you know, they're two of the two of the best bowlers in world cricket. Yeah, um, you know, and 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 Perry they said didn't bowl as much. So yeah, cricket's in good shape. But I thought I just hats off to India. I really loved the way I thought Harman Preet Kaur was a fantastic leader. I just love the way she... Uh, there was a comment made by one of the commentators. It might have, it might have been Lisa Salaka made a comment that they look very happy. A lot of smiles on their faces. You know, they don't not getting too down on themselves. But well played in there. Really enjoyed their cricket. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Someone who looks happy all the time is Jemima Rodriguez. I, I oh, love watching yeah. her play cricket. She is such a happy camper and high, yep. highly skilled, full of energy. 
and we get to see her in the WBBL as well, which we'll we'll talk about a bit later. Speaking of oh, WBBL, hey Matt, yeah, I've got one more for you just on that. Yeah, we saw a very strange dismissal. Oh we, yes, Meg Meg Lanning out hit wicket. Now you don't see that a lot, do you, at that level? No, you don't. I, I heard I heard Brad Hodge in commentary talking about. He he was once out in the under twelve A's. He was out hit wicket. Um, what about I, yourself, Matt? Has you, you ever fallen by the sword in that manner? Uh, oh, you dear have. Robbie! Oh, no. I get a feeling there's a story behind this. Oh, so back in the under twelves as well. Um, oh, you too. So you and Hodgie. M- Mimosa Oval, South Taramara. Um, first delivery. The bowler drops short. I rock back, play a oh, no. pull shot, crashes into the square leg boundary, but on my follow through, I clip the bale off the leg stump. With your bat or with leg my or? With my bat. Oh. Um, I, Did you know at the time? Did you feel it? I felt it and I just had that sinking feeling. Like it, as an 11-year-old, you wait all week for your bat. Um, did you walk? Yeah, I did walk. Oh, um, well done. But that's not where the story finishes for me in terms of hit wicket. Um, oh, okay. I, what are you, a repeat offender? I'm a repeat offender. And and this second one was worse than the first. Um, <laughs> uh, I I model my batting on, on Bryce Street and, and normally I'm, I'm, I'm fairly steady. And yeah. this particular day... <laughs> I'd actually eaten, I'd actually had green tea ice cream for breakfast, uh, which is another story in itself. Don't, we won't go into that You're right not now. Wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but I'd driven, I'd driven from Cobar to Dubbo to get to the game on time. I'd been working in Cobar in the morning. I, I left Cobar, got, yep. got to the ground pretty much in time to put my pads on and go out and bat straight away. Just how far is that trip, Cobar, to oh, Dubbo? It's about 350 k's. Um, so, oh. and, and this is this is on a, a stomach full of ice cream because I'd purchased I'd purchased a tub of ice cream the night before, <laughs> and had it for my dessert, and then I had leftovers, and I thought, well, I can't just can't leave, waste it. I can't leave that in the freezer because no, no one else will be able to eat it because I'd. Yeah. Anyway, I think you're right there. <laughs> so, <laughs> and it was green tea ice cream as well. But we're digressing massively. Um, yeah. And, and I'd raced to a, about twenty off about fifteen balls. They what, brought twenty or fifteen. That's good for you. Yeah, yeah. It's very good for me. That's um, a good clip. Yeah, go on. Yeah. Uh, leg spinner on. Last over before an adjournment. Bowls uh-huh. a massive wrongen. I rock back to cut it. And it was worse than Meg Lanning. I absolutely demolished the off stump. Yeah, I knocked him over. <laughs> I hit the ball, but I, oh, yeah. I, I, I castled myself. And um, can we edit this out later, Robbie? Yeah. <laughs> you, who, who's in charge of production here? Uh, Matt Fiction. Oh. Fiction's on duty this week. Oh no! I think it's staying in. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> We need to go, Robbie. Um, right. Emma Hughes, and then we'll come back. We'll talk WBBL. It's a very warm welcome to the Cricket Library Weekly. Emma Hughes, thanks so much for joining us. 
Oh, thanks for having me, Matt. It's uh, good to actually be on here. Yeah, it's a, a, a podcast uh, opportunity for you at the Cricket Library. We've we've had some pretty big names on uh, from the WBBL, and it's great to have someone like yourself on the program. Someone, um, just for a bit of background, Emma and I do have a bit of a background of, of knowing each other. We've both spent a lot of time in Dubbo and... Emma, we might take you back to Dubbo. Can you give us a bit of insight into what your early memories of playing cricket were back in Dubbo? Oh, it doesn't even feel like that long ago, actually. But uh, <laughs> I think I started, like most people in the country, I guess, I kind of started around playing some backyard cricket in the house, even like quite young, I guess. And then I sort of led to getting bored at watching my brother play cricket and deciding that a bit of sibling rivalry, having that I want to be better than him kind of mentality, <laughs> um, got me into playing cricket um, with some club teams in Dubbo called um, Macquarie. And I ended up starting when I was, I think I was about eight years old when I started. And then I followed that through until playing grade and obviously continued on to playing in Sydney. Yeah, and, and you had some time in the pathway as well, playing in that sort of, New South Wales ACT country junior pathway. Uh, what was that like for you being in Western New South Wales and, and trying to sort of make your way into pathway cricket and, and try and get noticed a little bit? I found it was actually quite, or well, especially for um, women in the country, there's a lot more opportunity for a pathway leading into that. There's a lot of Sort of in clubs, a lot of people know other people, especially out in the country, and it's a little bit easier to find your way to um, like a more elite kind of squad where you're actually able to train with just other girls rather than just the boys. And I found when I was growing up, I sort of it started out with there was a bit of a link between um, one of the uh, kids' dads ran a um, the Macquarie Valley in Dubbo and I sort of started playing with them and they had a girls team which then led into me playing in the um, the like the country western zone um, New South Wales squad that was like um, the cricket academy and we sort of from there there was lots of um, the country uh, competition like was a state challenge now I think it's called um so I started playing in that for Western and then it sort of just built up from there. So I think having those links out in the country, there's so many of them, that that program and that pathway is quite open. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and you make the most of your first opportunity. I think from memory, did you, did you get a hat-trick on debut in the under-15s pathway? Yeah, I remember that game quite vividly. I was... Five to nineteen, including a hat trick, and I think from then I just sort of built up. I, that was against Tasmania too, out here in Hobart. Ah, there you go. Some good memories of yeah. Tasmania. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, <laughs> I remember it was raining that day too, so not the best of weather. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and so you've obviously um, had to travel a lot, uh, a Dubbo, uh, four hundred odd kilometres from Sydney. Um, what was it like making the big move eventually down to Sydney and, and to be a part of the, the Breakers squad and the Sydney Sixers squad? I feel like because I spent so much time 
um, when I was growing up traveling back and forth to Sydney that I actually had quite a few um, people I knew in Sydney. So I think um, when I finally moved here, I still had that like links here in Sydney that I could actually just catch up with and I wasn't so like by myself, had to make new friends, whole new world kind of thing. It was more like um, I came into Sydney knowing that I had people around me and I sort of had a bit of an understanding of like um, what I was going to do in Sydney, uh, where I might live and I also had um, trainings and stuff. So I also I gave um, majority of my time to training in um, Sydney Olympic Park with the New South Wales Breakers and um, Sydney Sixers girls and obviously with that came like a whole new I grew like a family pretty much in Sydney and it sort of welcomed that move and made it a little bit easier than just being leaving everything behind in Dubbo. Yeah yeah and uh, you're doing a bit of study as well is that right? Yeah so I also on top of training I do um, it's semi between part-time and full-time studying I usually do about three units in my first semester and maybe two to one units in my second semester so I do bachelor of uh, sports and exercise science and then hopefully later on I'll do a master's so I'm keeping myself pretty busy oh it sounds sounds like you're very very busy on and off the field and um the the big step up to the WBBL last year Sarah Ailey presents you with your sixes cap for the first time um i think it was against the adelaide strikers uh down at hurstville oval well can, can you give us your recollections of what it meant to you all those years of of aiming to play professional cricket to actually get handed the cap for the first time and and debut for the sixes yeah so um it was at Moines oval and um it was like a, such an emotional day. Like when I first got told um, that I might be in the squad, I just had to do as much preparation before, um, talk to all the older girls in the squad, just like try and get a sort of hold of like what kind of information I needed in order to be at my best and less like I get nervous when I'm out there. But they're obviously very accommodating towards um, how it feels to debut. And um, they were with me every step of the way and I think I was so glad to have those girls around me and have Sarah Ailey obviously knowing her since I was growing up um she coached me back in my western zone academy so she's been with me since I was quite little and when I was out there she was backing me the whole way she's like just trust yourself you've got this you've put so much work in um yeah so I obviously came into it quite like nervous a bit on edge I guess um and I think when I finally got to debut, it was the most, like, awarding sort of, like, I was quite happy and just emotional about the whole experience. But I was so happy I actually got to. And it was a great game to play. I Like, I played against one of my idols, Megan Shoot, which was amazing <laughs> to yeah. watch her. I like that. Yeah, wow. And, and your first wicket, a former guest of the Cricket Library podcast, Madeline Penner. How did, yeah. it, how did it feel to get your first first wicket in the big time? It was a relief. I pretty much think, like, it wasn't my best ball, but I was, like, I was trying, obviously trying to stick to a plan that was set before the game even started or what I had to bowl. And it didn't quite go the way that I wanted, but it was such a relief to finally get a wicket. And I was, like, that kind of nerve of, like, oh, I really want to get this wicket in this first match sort of 
when it finally happened, I was like, I just feel at ease. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and um, you got the chance to bat in that game as well with Stella Campbell. <laughs> Uh, yeah. you, you've been working really hard on your batting. Is that something that you're still spending a fair bit of time on uh, to, to try and um, upskill in that area? Yeah, I find there's a lot of, like I spend a lot of time uh, working on fielding because you can never be perfect in any area. You're like always working on it. But I guess I'm trying to lead towards more of the, I want to be an all-rounder, like a bowling all-rounder um, and having that part of my game being quite strong so if I need to be relied on then I can yeah because in that and I think in that situation we actually had um I think it was like 15 runs to get off and over or something like that so it wasn't I didn't go in thinking like I was going to hit a big I was going to get that many runs because it wasn't quite possible yeah. but I think I wanted to get out there and actually be able to give a little bit more to the game and I think having all that work that I put in made it a little bit easier to be out there and I'm like I'm actually facing Talia McGrath she's like an Australian or she's even playing for Australia now um and it was quite daunting but I was out there I'm like I've done so much training that I feel like I'm able to welcome whatever delivery comes and actually be able to hit it on its merits so putting in that work and training and actually always striving for that I can be better kind of mentality I think that really helped even to today, even to today, so yeah, absolutely. And um, you've been in quarantine. I've caught you a couple of days out of quarantine. Can you give us a bit of an insight to to what that's been like uh, the last sort of fourteen days, and ha- how you've stayed motivated during that time? Yeah, so I sort of the first couple of days was a lot of getting used to what it was like in quarantine. You got a lot of time to yourself and what kind of things you should be doing while you're there. So I ended up spending a lot of my time either doing, I was either doing uni, um, a bit of like mental rehearsal around games and watching old footage and stuff like that on some players, as well as we also had a pretty um, strong strength program going on during our like quarantine. So every two days we had a cardio and a strength program set by our S&C coach. Um, who's got us working really hard so that we weren't like having any reversibility during our time away from training, I guess. And we spent a lot of time throwing into a pillow as well, which is <laughs> a little bit different, but it's actually quite funny. Um, uh, so we definitely kept up with everything, but it was actually not too bad. And it's quite motivating. So we actually were talking about it with some of the girls over team calls so we pretty much team called every strength training so we all could see each other keep each other like accountable for our work um that when we um were on a team call we were actually talking about how motivating this will be that we're spending so much time away from all our family friends and fans in like our like sydney that when we came away here it'd actually be quite motivating to like let's actually prove how good we are and let's use this time away to like really work hard at our game and just show everyone how good we actually can be. And I think it's quite motivating the fact that we've spent this time and we've trained so hard, like the weeks before coming down here. And I think that's actually something that's going to be really helpful in our game is that so many of us have spent so much time away from our families and friends at home. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. A a high level of sacrifice from the players and the support staff and, um, 
just to be able to to get out there and play play some cricket. Uh, it, the Sixers squad, uh, some exciting signings uh, from India coming into the lineup this year. Uh, how how are you feeling about the look of the Sixers squad, and and why do you think the Sixers will be um, on song in WBBL this summer? I think we've got a really really strong team. Like obviously having. Um, quite a couple of new people in our team. So we've got seven, I think, new players in our team. And I think now that we've got such a, I guess, a younger and more diverse team, I think we're actually going to be quite on par for a really good team environment this year. And we're going to, yeah, I think it's just we bring a lot to the table. So we'll prove as more of a, like we've obviously got some really strong Australian players We've also got the two new Indian um, players and then we've got the girls from WNCL that have also had a very strong career behind them as well as some younger girls who have had the most amazing like couple of tournaments and stuff in underage cricket. And I think we've got, yeah, one, a strong team and two, we've got a very, um, I'd say, like cricket knowledge strong team as well. Yeah, yeah, on paper looking looking very impressive indeed, the Sydney Sixers. You, you mentioned just before that you, playing against Megan Shute was a real highlight for you. Is there anyone this season you're looking at in the opposition squads that you think, oh, gee, it'd be pretty good to line up against them? Oh, there's so many players I could list off of, like, who I'm excited to actually, like, play against. Obviously, our... Um, Crosstown rivals, Sydney Thunder, <laughs> would be an amazing team to bowl against because you know them so well that that challenge is always like they know you, they know what you bowl, um, as well as just the rivalry between us is one in itself a challenge. But I think there's so many batters in like the Brisbane Heat. So like um, Laura Kimmins, and um, Grace Harris, I think having them being such strong batters, like I want to be able to go onto that challenge and be like, I know they can hit well, but like I want to be able to bowl them out kind of thing. Yeah. I think, yeah, there's so many players I could just list off of who I want to bowl against, but it's also like I think having that plan before we have so many meetings, talking about great matchups and stuff and like Meg Lenning and the in-swingers and stuff like that, especially in the game last night. Yeah. Um, with one of the Indian players having, like, the greatest in-swinging ball against Alyssa Healy. It was... <laughs> that was incredible. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Yeah, described by my co-host Robbie McKinlay as uh, nominee for Ball of the Century. That that one was incredible. <laughs> yeah, and um, I think... Because we spend so much time in these meetings talking about like these matchups, like I said, um, that we spend, like we look at specific players and who we might like bowl against in, like I'd mostly bowl middle overs um, or closer to death overs. That that kind of option of like who, what batters will be in at that time and what my options are to bowl to them, and I think practicing that in matches is something that like poses as a, as a challenge itself because like we can never tell what batters will actually be in at that time and how well you know each player and like what their strengths and weaknesses are yeah 
Yeah, so it sounds sounds like um sounds like there's a lot of a lot of behind the scenes work going on to make sure you're all primed up and and ready to go. Well, Emma, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, it's been it's been really nice to catch up and have a have a chat about the WBBL coming up. We wish you all the best and hope that you get plenty more opportunities to show your skills uh, at, at the next level. Yeah, thank you, Matt. It's been great to be on here. So thank you for the invite. Oh, you're, you're welcome anytime, Emma. <laughs> always always willing to promote uh, high-quality cricketers from Dubbo. So, uh, yeah, we, re- <laughs> we really appreciate you giving us some of your time. Uh, thank you. <laughs> Hi, this is Emma Hughes, and you're listening to the Cricket Library Weekly. What a wonderful young person she is, Emma Hughes. And she's a listener of the Cricket Library podcast, Robbie. I, oh, yeah, not surprising. I said, no surprise there, Matt. I, I said to Emma, I said, oh, I'll, um, I'll, send you, I'll send you the link when, when it goes live. And she goes, oh, you won't need to do that. I subscribe. Oh. I'm listening. Oh. Uh, she'll she'll have it on a feed straight away. So a, a massive thanks to Emma Hughes. I, I've been uh, hoping to have her on for quite some time now, and uh, just a wonderful ambassador for the game. Comes back yeah, to Dubbo, uh, chats to the young girls that are playing. There's there's a very big Woolworths Cricket Blast Centre here in Dubbo just for girls, and she's come back and yeah. chatted to those girls. And nothing's too hard for her off the field and really hoping she gets uh, plenty of time to to send a few down in Weber WBBL 07. Yeah, looking forward to that. There's that much young talent emerging. Matt, we saw a bit of it last year, didn't we, coming through? We're going to see a lot more of it too. Oh, my word, Robbie. And and let's let's just get into it now. Let's have a look. Um, just firstly, just a bit of an overview, a, a slight change to the format for the finals, Robbie. Now, oh, yeah, that, the minor yeah. premiership, what a carrot to finish first. Straight through That's to the, the, the grand final. Yeah, I don't mind that in a lot of ways, Matt. I think it's, it rewards, it, it, it's a great way to re- reward consistency and excellence over that whole season. And, yeah. and particularly with T20 cricket, things can change in a hurry. So, yeah, that gets a tick for me. No problem there. And, and looking at the squads, uh, Robbie, great to see some of the Indian players taking part, uh, some, some of the, the, the great South African and English talent in there as well. If there's, if there's a team that you're looking at objectively here, now, yeah. disclosure, we, we all know the Thunder will win the WBBL, but like if, if we didn't have our Thunder caps on, um, what's, what's standing out to you? What's, what's a glaring a glaringly impressive lineup uh, on paper yeah. for you? I would have to say I really like the look of what the Hobart Hurricanes have put together. Mm. So if you take this, this is the sort of players that have come into that squad, Matty. Molly Strano, yep. uh, guest of the Cricket Library Weekly. Uh, Maisie Gibson. Another, Lizelle Lee's come Another come Cricket Library from, guest. Yeah, and yeah, back from injury. Yeah, good point. Um, <laughs> Lizelle Lee, ex Melbourne Renegades, yeah. picked up these seventeen-year-old superstars. Uh, Rika Gosh, yes, from India, 
And then, of course, well, my favourite batter in the whole competition, yeah. Mignon de Priya. And then if you want pace and you want the quickest we've got, Taylor Selenik. So that is a massive uh, list of ins and inclusions. Playing in, the, in their home state, although I suppose they're not really home games for all those players, I just rolled out there. <laughs> but, uh, but Matt, unfortunately, so that's the good news, but unfortunately there is a little bit of a downer. Another former guest of the Cricket Library Weekly and former Sydney Thunder uh, title winner, Rachel Treneman, I was actually gutted when I heard about this. She's oh. ruptured an ACL in her knee uh, in pre-season training, and Rachel's out for the season. So, oh, yeah, no. I was, yeah, it's a really, really disappointing. So, we really wish a, a speedy recovery to Rachel. She'd moved down to Tassie with big plans, but um, yeah, so we, 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 you know, we're really thinking of Rachel. But I'm sure she'll play a big part in and around that squad with her experience that she's already gained at such a young age. Oh, absolutely, Robbie. And there's someone you forgot to mention, friend of the Cricket Library, captain of the Hobart Hurricanes, Priesty. Rachel Priest. I was going to get, I was going to finish off that with a big (laughs) bang. But you've done it beautifully. And you know what, Matt? I think, I'm going to put it out there now. I think Rachel Priest, will be in the top five run scorers for WBBL 07. Oh, there you go. Oh, wow. That is a bold prediction from RB McKinlay. Well, it, it, she'll, be like, she'll be like these Webbers. They're a great sponsor of competition. She'll be on, on heat all competition. <laughs> she'll be firing. There you go, Matt. So that's, oh. that's, that's Robbie's tip ahead of the competition. Rachel Priest to dominate like, not, like never before. Yeah, wow. There you go. Well, I, the team that sticks out to me that I like the look of, um, other than the Sydney Thunder, obviously. Yeah. I quite like the look of the Melbourne Renegades. I think yeah. it's great to see Sophie Molyneux, given the lowercase c with the brackets around it, to go beside yep. her name. Yep. This, this, this will shock you. Um, I'm a massive fan of Georgia Wareham. Oh. Same here, Matt. A, a I, leg spinner can yeah. blow open a game in yep. T20 cricket, and and I think Georgia. There's some some good leg spinners in the competition. In fairness, you've got um, Poonam Yadav has come into the Brisbane Heat, uh, yep. very handy. You've got Amanda Jade Wellington at the Adelaide Strikers, uh, then of course at the Hurricanes, you've got Maisie Gibson coming back from injury there as well. And young Smithy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So Massive talent. There's some some great leg spinning talent in there. And then you've got the left-hand orthodox spinners as well. Um, But this isn't a spin bowling segment, Robbie. I I don't know why you always keep dragging our conversation (laughs) towards the spin bowlers of these competitions. Um, But the other ones I like, and I mentioned this before, Jemima Rodrigues and Harman Preet Kaur, Dynamic duo, uh, very handy additions to that Melbourne Renegades lineup as well. So, uh, liking the look of the the Renegades, and there's plenty to like about all the teams, to be honest, Robbie. And sometimes I know this might shock some of our listeners. Sometimes I get accused of sitting on the fence and not really sort of putting anything out there, putting anything on the line. But 
the Melbourne Renegades are my bolters this year from yeah, okay. from from, uh, from where they were last year. And, and well, just on to your favourite subject outside of Bright Street and Legspin Bowling, uh, Sydney Thunder. Uh, Rachel Haynes obviously won't be playing in the WBBL 07. Um, we'll be staying in Sydney um, with her partner Leah and their little boy Hugo. So um, that's a massive blow just for her captaincy alone, her ability with the bat. So yeah, that's going to that, that that to me is going to make it extremely hard yeah. um, for for the Thunder. Take out they've also lost Tammy Beaumont, yeah, Heather Knight. Mm-hmm. And and Shabin um, Ishmael, yeah. So plus Rachel Treneman, they, so Maddie, I they lose some I street like smarts. I think Robbie is fair to say yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. I I think that they got the job ahead of them, but you never rule them out. Oh, definitely not. Uh, Smirty Mandana coming in, uh, Deepthi Sharma as well. Yeah. Is, Izzy Wong, um, Speed Machine from England. I reckon she'll bowl yeah. very fast and ruffle a few feathers. And then experienced campaigners like Samantha Bates, who's been there and done that before, and and some young players like Talia Wilson. I'm I'm really hoping for players like that to get the opportunity to shine. And of course, uh, very popular at the Orange Library, young Phoebe Litchfield, yeah. uh, a superstar in the making. And it could just be sometimes these little moments happen uh, where an opportunity pops up and it could just be that Phoebe Litchfield yep. really steps up uh, as well. Not to mention Sammy Joe Johnson. There's some experience right there. Um, Hannah Darlington. Hannah Darlington. Yes. Corinne Hall's back. Yeah. So, yeah. So lock the yeah. thunder in, but there's plenty to like about the other teams as well. Robbie, uh, the Brisbane heat fairly similar to last year, not too much movement there. Um, Adelaide strikers are looking fairly strong on paper as well, uh, particularly yeah, good. particularly their bowling group. And my favourite overseas batter, Laura Woolvart, uh, yeah. absolute superstar, and Dane Vanikirk um, in there as well. Any team with Meg Lanning in it is going to be a team that I love. Uh, Melbourne Stars, they're going to be they're going to be good as well. Annabelle Sutherland, another key player there, yeah. and Emma Hughes's sixes. They're wall to wall quality, uh, and I like Maitland Brown coming into that lineup for the Sixers. I reckon that's a a very smart acquisition from the Sydney Sixers. So, Matty, you haven't mentioned the Melbourne Stars yet. Um, I'm not sure if you're being dismissive of them or not. No, no, I don't no, no. Think I, so, I think it's the Perth but, Scorchers I missed actually. Yeah, yeah, and what? A, the only reason why the Alana King is out and has gone to the Scorchers. Now, that's big. Uh, that's Mignon Dupria is a massive loss. Holly Thurling has gone to the Renegades. Gee, that's a good pick up, the yeah. old Crosstown rivals. Uh, and, okay, no Catherine Brunt, no Nat Siver. And Barbie Devchan's out as well, too. So, look, their best side, when you've got at, at the top, of, I think this might present a really good chance for Annabelle Sutherland to bat higher. Yes. So you're going to have, look, Elise Bellani, Meg Lanning, Bubble at the top of that order. Um, probably Aaron Osmond's going to get a bit of a chance. Tess Flintock, the few of those can come through. I just think outside of Lanning and Bellani, Sutherland, the batting, I'm not sure how deep it's going to go, Matt. Yeah. And speaking of batting, Perth Scorchers, Beth Mooney, she's been very dependable for Australia of late. Uh, 
Shamari Adapadu from Sri Lanka in that lineup as well. Some some good playing talent over in the West. Lisa Griffith heading over there. Uh, yeah. Really talented player from Central West New South Wales. Lovely human being. Really looking forward to her playing at her best. And Heather Graham is a player I've got massive raps on. A, a, a huge Heather Graham fan. And I'm expecting her to make, make some big impact over there. Uh, and people like our loyal listener Dylan will be loving the fact that Heather Graham is lining up for the Scorchers this summer as well. Maddie, just a quick one. This is another a question about notice. Oh, no. You mentioned Shamari <laughs> Atapatu. Mm. Is that any relation to the former Sri Lankan uh, test player Marvin Atapatu? I think, and Marvin. He was the guy that had that horrific start to his test career. Something like, I remember in five ducks in his first six innings or something like that, wasn't it? But oh. then he ended up with, would they be related? I don't think so, Robbie. I one, don't think so. How about that one maybe for Matt Fiction to follow up? Because I know now Matt from the Orange Library has been pretty busy. Maybe Fiction, if he <laughs> could just get onto that. I know he'll be editing this um well, I episode, hope he's, so I hope he's this. editing this episode. And I know who I'll, I'll get a phone call tomorrow. Uh, I know this. So, yeah, this, that'd be a nice little bit of homework for fiction. Yeah, that sounds good. Nothing like a bit of homework uh, for a cricket librarian. They love that sort of thing. Well, Robbie, um, we'll, we'll take a quick break. And when we come yep. back, men's domestic cricket, some big talking points uh, coming up in just a moment on the Cricket Library Weekly. This is Matt Ellis and Robbie McKinlay. Doubles up again. TM Head dispatches them. Runs galore for him. Oh, Matt Fiction. How, how current, how, how much more current could a haiku poem be than that one about Travis Head? His second double century in Australian domestic one-day cricket. What a performance, Robbie McKinlay. Oh, incredible, Matt. Uh, the second highest score in the history of the Australian one-day cup, uh, only beaten, of course, by uh, Darcy Short. He got 257 against Queensland mm. uh, back in 2018. But um, eight for 391. <laughs> <laughs> and I think it was all 48 overs because it was rain reduced. Oh, gee. Uh, just Incredible! Uh, it, like it, it's just one stat after the other, isn't it? It was just amazing. And I, I did have a quick look, and I saw that he had just come up, brought up his hundred earlier in the in the day, and I thought, oh, that's great news. I, hey, I said Michael Minns, the loyal listener out of the ACT, he's wrapped with that. But twenty-eight boundaries, some quick numbers there. That's a hundred and twelve runs, <laughs> eight sixes. That's forty-eight. That means he's made one hundred and sixty runs in boundaries. And he went, oh. he went at a clip of his strike rate was 181, Matt, in a score of 230. Gee whiz, that's a good inning. Gee, I wouldn't mind some data on that. We were talking about our, our oh, sorry, we were talking about my favourite player, Bryce Street, and his ability to crescendo. It sounds like, it sounds like oh. TM Head has just gone bananas from ball one there. That's absolutely outstanding. And uh, a big win for South Australia. And well done, Jason Gillespie, uh, coach down there. Been really yeah. doing a good job building that unit. And um, 
great to see them rewarded. Uh, nice to see Gurinder Sandhu back playing domestic one day quick cricket, picking up four wickets there today for Queensland as well. Uh, I think four wickets for Doggett and four wickets for the Pope as well. Yeah, they're all like obviously all bowlers. Um, top G. You, uh, Michael Nisa, who uh, I know you're a big fan of. <laughs> gee whiz, you know you're hitting the ball well when Michael Nisa's dig is a two for eighty-five or ten. Yeah. Matty Renshaw six overs, none for forty-four. Uh, Sandu got his four wickets, but at seventy-three. Yep. Um, and Manus Labuschagne two overs for twenty-three. So. It, and in reply, I was really hoping to see Marnus might be able to get amongst the runs here, but he was out to six off the bowling of Doggett. Um, Sammy Hazlitt, Hazlitt, 93, good innings. Matty Renshaw got 52, and Nisa had a better day with the bat than he had the ball. He made 55. How did um, Bryce Street go? I didn't hear his name mentioned, Robbie. Um, I Matt, assume he, he played. Didn't play. Oh, no. He didn't play. This is white ball cricket format and it appears the Queensland selectors think that at the moment they've got some better options there Matt so they did huh? score 312 or 40.3 overs so they gave it a, <laughs> they, they gave it a good crack oh they, now, they certainly did well let's jump into shield cricket because I know you're dying again and let's Will you talk about your man, Bryce Street? He's turned up again. Oh, before we get to Bryce. Yeah, what do you got? What about T.P. Ward? Oh, yeah. Born in Warunga in Sydney, just down the road from my mum and dad. I'm imagining that would be at the Sand Hospital there, uh, off Fox Valley Road in Warunga in Sydney. T.P. Ward, uh, I think he played grade cricket for Parramatta, if my memory is correct. He's gone down to Tassie, and, and what a start he's had down there. He batted beautifully. And and let's add him to the list of 23-year-old left-handed batsmen scoring runs in the Sheffield Shield, born in New South Wales, Robbie. Couldn't believe it. And and, and backed it up in the second dig with 81. Mm. So he's done well. Um, and quite remarkably, Matt, so Tim Ward, he's made 144. Or 343 balls, strike rate of 41.98. Uh-huh. Bryce Street, he's made 143, one less run. He's faced 334 balls, strike rate of 42.81. Hang so, on, did you say 334 balls? I know, isn't that bizarre? That's Bradman esque. So, did he would, he, would he have been aware of that milestone, 334, he, and the links to Bradman and Mark Taylor? I reckon, yep, I reckon he's done a Mark Taylor. He said, I've had 334 balls. Maybe one day that'll be 334 runs. Yeah. He said, I'm out of here. Yeah. I'm out of here. And he hit a catch the ward. Oh, he did too. How about that? Oh, How about that? And wow. Sammy Rainbird got the wicket. So. Yeah. But, yeah, another bit of a run piece there. And, I look, I know Usman Khawaj and the Queenslanders were a little bit disappointed. I reckon Tassie could have made a bit more of a game of it. Queensland declared uh, about 150 behind. And Tassie said, thanks, Uzi. We'll have another stick here. And they made three for 196. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and they sent, it, they sent in a night <laughs> watchman as well, yeah. They did. Uh, it was in 75 overs. So, yeah, it was always going to be a draw. Yeah, well, and and yeah. Queensland back into the action in a couple of days' time. They're playing South Australia, uh, another Shield game coming up. So yeah. a feast of 
uh, Australian domestic cricket at the moment and what a time to be alive, Robbie McKinlay. Um, still no news on Victoria and New South Wales. No. it be interesting to hear what the plan is there. Hopefully they can get something sorted for some fixtures there. Well, Robbie... I think the Blues played a trial match amongst themselves, um, started on Monday. So, okay. Yeah, pick two sides. Two good-looking sides too. So, yeah, you know, just, I don't know, when we're going to see the, the Blues and the Vicks, Back in action, although there's some positive signs, isn't there, out of both states, you know, with the, the vaccination vaccination rate, and uh, that appears to be the key to it all, doesn't it? Oh, definitely does, Robbie, definitely does. Well, we, we need to take a quick break, Robbie, and then some exciting news about a new segment coming up on the Cricket Library Weekly. We are back on the Cricket Library Weekly and time for Matt's mailbag and what an absolute treat it was for the Burrabadine Cricket Library this week to receive not only a magnificent postcard from the Wacker in Perth, it says g'day from the traditional home of the Big Bash final, Wacker Perth, um, <laughs> and that's on the front. Uh, and then on the back it says, hi Matt, hope you and the family are staying safe in lockdown. And you aren't going stir-crazy. Not going stir-crazy. Plenty of good cricket books to read. Thanks, Dylan. Here's to another big summer of cricket and hopefully the year WA breaks their shield drought, Robbie. Okay. Love the podcast. Great work from you and Robbie. And that's from Dylan. And he has actually sent through some items to be added to the collection here. We've got a Mercantile Mutual Cup program from 97-98. Another one here from 98-99. Uh, then we've got the Sheffield Shield final 96-97, WAV Queensland Bulls. And then another Mercantile Mutual Cup program 96-97. So thank you, Dylan. They are uh, a wonderful addition to the Cricket Library. And I like how on the back of the, the 96-97 program, it's got the honour board. So 92, 93, New South Wales, 93, 94, New South Wales, 94, 95, Vic, 95, 96, Queensland. And then Dylan in red texter. I'm assuming it's Dylan that's done this. 96, 97, he's written in WA. So that's official. It's in the library. That's what we'll be referencing. Uh, But thank you, Dylan. Um, And thank you, everyone. 101R Bungle Gumby Road is the address. Borough Bedeen, New South Wales, 2830. And I'll get that postcard up on the Wall of Fame. I need to take a photo of the the postcard Wall of Fame and get it out on the socials. But speaking of the socials, Robbie, a groundswell of activity on social media surrounding a proposed new segment. Now, word, word got out that during the school holidays, Matt Fiction ran a an online game show for some high school students called Fact or Fiction. And these were a series of true or false questions asked by Matt Fiction and you had to buzz in and uh, correctly answer fact or fiction. So if it's true, you answer fact. If it's fiction, you answer fiction. So next week or the week. Hang on a minute, Matt. Yeah. Is fiction not? Is he boning Matt's mailbag? No, 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 oh. no, 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 no. He's not ousting oh. Matt's mailbag. He's, he's oh, good because you know what he's like. He's like <laughs> he, he likes it his way a bit. 
Yeah, I'm worried this might become the the Cricket oh, Library you, Weekly with Matt Fiction and Robbie McKinlay, if I'm not careful. You, you give him an inch, you'll take a mile. <laughs> so, so next week it may be the debut of Fact or Fiction um, with Robbie McKinlay taking on Matt Ellis. Uh, who knows what could happen. We, okay. We may need to monitor... Matt Fiction's excitement levels, and we may need yeah, to we may need yeah. to can it if it gets out of out of hand. But uh, that's the plan for next week on the show. So, any topics that you'd like covered there, send them through to the Cricket Library social media channels, and and they'll get passed yep. on to Matt Fiction there. But um, guess what, Robbie? We must be nearly done. Yeah, we're out of time, and we will be back again next week. Plenty of WBBL to talk about. Oh, bring it on, mate. Plenty of the usual antics and fact or fiction making its debut. A massive thanks to our statistician down in Orange. Uh, Matt, he's done a great job providing some stats here for us today and looking forward to more stats being filtered through. And a massive thanks to all of you who take the time to tune in and listen and engage with us on social media and get involved in a bit of banter. We, We thoroughly enjoy that. And thank you for listening. This has been Matt Ellis and Robbie McKinlay for the Cricket Library Weekly. Bye for now.